The following Art Trap production is brought to you by the Gallifreyan Embassy and has been made possible by donations from listeners like you. This episode is brought to you by Dragon's Lair Comics and Fantasy. Check out their website at dlayer.net. That's D as in dragon, lair.net. Live from a picnic at Asgard, this is Doctor Who Podshock. Doctor Who Podshock. Okay, well, let's do it. No, I... You know, whatever it is, if it's valuable, send it to us. <laughs> For the best in all things Doctor Who, it's Doctor Who Podshock, the podcast all about Doctor Who, the longest-running science fiction television program with Louis Trapani. Hello. Ken Deep. Hello. James Norton. Hello. News. Fabulous. Reviews. Oh, no. And fan mail for James. Uh, 40,000. Doctor Who Podshock from the Gallifreyan Embassy. You know, that guy James was really cool. Oh, yeah, we blew that. <laughs> I'm the Doctor, and who are you? And who are you? The Gallifreyan Embassy presents Doctor Who Podshock, episode 159. My name is Ken Deep, alongside Mr. Louis Trapani. Hello. And across the great pond, none other than the man, the legend, James Norton. Hello. Hello. The legend. Hello. I like that. The man, <laughs> the legend. The two arrows, the arrow pointing up and down, <laughs> like on the t-shirts. What's going on, everybody? It's Doctor well, Who Podshot. Yeah, and we're sort of celebrating four years now. When this episode goes out, it may be in and around our fourth anniversary. Not necessarily our, our big fourth anniversary special episode it marks noting nonetheless happy anniversary everyone four years of doctor who Podshock. Wow. wow we're out of diapers now <laughs> we're Just now about. potty trained <laughs> barely yes this is fantastic uh four years it's been a long, strange trip. That's before. <laughs> I was going to just say it seems like only yesterday, but uh, it's, it's, I can't believe it's been four years personally. But maybe that's just me. Yeah, yeah. It's all, it's been a lot of fun. It's and we now well, we step forward into well, our fifth year. Yeah, waxing a um, a bit philosophic about the whole thing. It's it's actually been really. It's changed my life, you know, as far as just doing something very interesting and, and meeting a lot of cool people and, and made a lot of friendships so far. And I'm looking forward to, you know, making a lot more. We go out to L.A. We go to any of the conventions and, and meetings and meetups. I mean, the good folks at DWNY, which we became um, uh, involved with over the last year or two and getting to know everybody there and just the wonderful friendships there and people online some people we've never even met who know us through podchock and then now through great social networks like facebook or twitter or things like that you get to meet other people at least online and and have a little bit of involvement in their lives it's that part's been great at seeing and inspiring other people to do podcasts as well i mean we have a great community of doctor who podcasts some who we're friends with and some who uh, actually were influenced to to do a podcast because of Podshock. That's probably the the most extraordinary part about it is to for someone else to be like, hey, that was really cool. I think I can do my own podcast. And you're like, great, that's cool. You know, and, and that's probably the most thrilling part of the whole thing, other than meeting your heroes, of course, from time to time. You know, somebody but you meet me all like the that. time. 
That's true. That's true. I see Lewis. <laughs> I have I have my heroes around me at all times. What was that? Um, what's that saying that you had said? All I, uh, all my heroes have been time lords. Uh, my heroes have always been time lords. Riffing <laughs> on my heroes of always been cowboys the uh, the song my heroes have always been time lords yes now watch that be a t-shirt now no well you had already suggested it as a t-shirt oh you better get it on there before <laughs> before the in moffat stuff and in in russell in we trust stuff people gobbling stuff up with that well now that you bring it up be go uh, be sure to go to our website and we have our classic <laughs> t-shirts available we're going to be coming up with new shirts. There's also In Moffat We Trust and In Russell We Trust as well. So, and my um, heroes have always been Time Lords. And, and that will be there as well now. Well, I do have <laughs> one for, for Gallifrey that I'll, I'll keep under my hat that, that Tristan asked us to, uh, to put together. So we ha- we'll have a special one for Gallifrey when we're having our Podshock meetup the night before Gallifrey starts. That's Thursday, right? That's on that Thursday night. We are going to do something. So help me. We'll have something going on there. So if if you've been to Gallifrey before, you know there's these parties and meetups that happen there. And um, so there's room parties, there's meetups, there's meet and greets. There's real meet and greets, and then there's the code meet and greet when you say you want to do a meet and greet, and that means you (laughs) head up to Champions for, for a drink. There's so all that's kinds what we of... did last year, but we're going to want to do something more formal and something that's, uh, as you said in that last episode, you know, something that we'll have a few months in advance to uh, give people notice about on that's the when and I'm where. That's why I'm mentioning it now. Exactly. And as I mentioned in the last episode, I'll be at Chicago TARDIS in November as well. It'll be my first Chicago TARDIS. It'll be Billy Davis's second. He... he raved about it last year and i said i have to go this year i've I've never met paul mcgann so that to me was like a must must see must do plus daphne's going to be there and stuff so that's just i liked the 96 movie it's nice to to reminisce about that for for a little while and and hear some of the the stories from from that era what about hurricane who i don't think i can make hurricane who as much as i would love to Jared is and and the whole crew down there at Hurricane Who with uh, Janet and and Lewis and all the people down there. They first of all they have a, a great podcast. Timelines has regenerated and they're in their second season. And I don't know if you've heard it, but the Timelines podcast is is fantastic. I, I haven't heard. I haven't gotten to the the second. I haven't gotten to the Patrick Troughton version of it yet. I'm still <laughs> in the Bill yes. Hartnell. Well, they've regenerated. It's fantastic. You know, they're not the first podcast to regenerate or the who cast is regenerated a few times now but it's 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 nice that, that they've reinvented themselves um timelines and and i think it's great so if you haven't subscribed or you want to check it out timelines podcast on on itunes that's the official podcast of hurricane who so right off the bat there's tons of cool interviews there they'll have more to come and you'll get the information about hurricane who as it happens. So they're, they're on Halloween weekend down in Orlando, Florida, amongst other things that they do. And I, I just don't think I can afford going to the three cons. I travel three times in, in such a short span. And the Paul McGann factor was big for me because I've, I've never met him. And, and I'm, you know, that's like a high priority. But I, I would love to go to Hurricane Ho because it, I know Barnaby and, and John from DWNY are going and the crew what, down what about, in Orlando um, are fantastic. What about the white and, robot? I don't know. I don't know if Billy's going. All right. Well, so, we're sure to get some. 
boots on the ground there one way well, or the I other. Well, I know Barnaby's going to be there. Well, I, I know and... Ian, the Sixth Doctor, yep. is, uh, has, as he's known on, online many times, and co-host of the Cultum Collective podcast. He'll be there as well. So we can, um, we'll have him on our show to give her some review of the, uh, the first Hurricane Who. And I don't know if this is going to get out in time, but Barnaby wanted me to mention the August, Wednesday, August 19th, 2009, the DWNY meetup at the Peculiar Pub in Manhattan. We'll have special guest Gary Russell in attendance, and that should be fantastic. And we're uh, trying to line up, hopefully we'll line up an, an interview prior to that. Uh, he's in New York for a few days on vacation and on holiday, as they'll say on the on your side of the pond, James, and <laughs> he's going to stop by the DWNY meetup. This is not the first time he has. He's been there before. Hopefully this time he'll get his mug. Everybody who's any special guest that stops down gets a, a beautiful DWNY uh, mug. DWNY mug, it's, it's like a tradition. So, uh, <laughs> But he didn't get it the first time he was there. So. And he was very upset. And he was very upset, so... Anyway, that's what's going on. If this podcast goes out in time, if you're in the New York area, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Pennsylvania. That's at the Peculiar Pub. Peculiar Pub in Manhattan. That's where they have all their pub meets. It's it's a 21 and over crowd. You know, it's it's an adult crowd because there's adult beverages there, which are consumed en masse. And it's a nice crowd. Good good group of, of Doctor Who fans there. Um, some form, you know, some expats, some Brits there who now live in the states, who live in New York, who come down, and there's some, some of us who have, who have uh, just been Anglophiles for many years or a shorter time. They just meet up there and have a good time. And to shoot ahead for September, September 14th is um, yes the next DWNY meetup, and we think we've lined up somebody for that too, haven't we? We do. We have someone lined up, someone that's actually uh, been a guest on our show. Not a big name, but a name nonetheless. And this is for anyone that's a longtime listener, you may recognize this name. Jules Burt, who was in um, the... Rise of the Cybermen. Right. And, uh, I, I was trying to think of the other one. The, the, the follow-up. The Age of Steel. The Age of Steel. Thank you. Who was a photographer, played a photographer, and was and unfortunately got killed by a Cyberman. Yeah, yeah was unfortunately brutal. zapped by, was deleted by the Cybermen. But that's the <laughs> in Pete's world, so his character could very well come back. I kept on saying that in in the real world, <laughs> in our world. So, so 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 the photographer could be alive and well in the real world. Yes, in in and our we, we world, have to call yes. him the photographer. <laughs> his his uh, code name, yeah, the photographer. Uh, Jules is going to be in New York around the same time as the DWNY meetup for September. So that's going to be fantastic. And nice to meet him face to face as well, being that he came well, we've on stayed, so, so well. We've stayed in touch. I know it's been several, well, it's been a few years since we uh, had him on the show, and but we've stayed in touch in that time. He's he's a good bloke. So we're looking forward to actually seeing him in person. So he's, well, as Ken just said, he'll be in New York, and uh, we were hoping to uh, that the DWNY meetup would coincide with his time here. And it and does. Thankfully, it does. So um, we we've already have that slotted in. So, but yes. speaking of meetups, there's going to be another meetup of in that won't have any barriers whatsoever as far as location goes, which is a Second Life meetup, which we're now doing seasonal, so it's um, or quarterly, if you like. We had just done one this past May, which was the first one that one that we did since our last one, which was a 
a few years ago was, I think, 2006. So it was such a demand for us to continue doing them on a regular basis. And so we uh, arranged it so that we can do it seasonally, so quarterly. So the next one up is uh, August 15th. And that's taking place in Second Lifetime. It's it, there's actually two times to to make note of the 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 DJ dancing party aspect of the meetup is taking place from 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. Second Lifetime. That's the same as Pacific time in the U.S. So adjust your time according to that. Eight hours ahead for the U.K. Yes, and it's a but, three hour difference if you're on the East Coast here, and you know accordingly set your 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 times. On that, and then at 1 p.m. again, second lifetime Pacific time, uh, Victor, who's one of the administrators there of Katrina, where we meet, and it's uh, Katrina is a whole um, replica of Cardiff. So, and there's a lot of, as you can imagine, there's going to be a lot of Doctor Who themed um, stuff there. There's the hub from Torchwood is there. There's um, the various Doctor Who related. Um, simulations there. So, and, and one of which is um, the TARDIS console, which you, which th- there's actually a representation of every version of the TARDIS console there. He's going to be demonstrating that, and and um, and so you can actually fly in the TARDIS itself. And there's also museums there, and there's um, a whole host of different wonderful yeah. things. It's, yeah. it's if you want to go to our website, there's a video that Victor put together that kind of introduces you to the Second Life experience. At Katrina, it's a whole virtual environment, and the greatest thing about that is, unlike the geographical meetups that we have, either in LA at Gallifrey or here in New York, you don't have to fly there. You, you, it, as long as you have a computer, it's Second Life is free. As long as you have a computer that's capable of running it, so you need a more of a more up to date computer, a more modern computer, uh, you can access it. So that's August fifteenth. So yeah, it's really cool. We'll all hopefully be there. Um, maybe not all day, but certainly at the times when we've got uh, got some good stuff going on with yeah, the DJ and whatnot. Exactly. And it, you, you can go anytime you like. Just you know, you don't have to go. That's just the times that we have programming that's taking place there, and that's the times yes. that most likely you know will be there. Will. But you you're welcome to go to Second Life anytime you like and and explore these environments. Yeah, absolutely. And I have to say that it was a real blast last time, and I'm really thrilled that we're doing it again. And there were so many people who just messaged me on Facebook or whatever and just said, you know, it was awesome, really looking forward to next time. And we weren't even thinking about doing it next time, but there's (laughs) such a demand for it. It's brilliant, and uh, uh, it's going to be great to have it every quarter. It's, yeah, uh, there was even uh, I just found out yesterday that Terrasse was there last time. I didn't even know he was there. He he was sort of hiding in the background. Yeah, yeah, I found out there were loads of people there that uh, kind of snuck by uh, incognito. Again, a wonderful thing about Second Life. All right, well, check it out. So, All right, yep. now, now we've got a stack of announcements done, I think done, right? Uh, <laughs> yes, we're hopefully. We're going to have to hit the, the TARDIS <laughs> newsroom. Uh, actually, you know what? There, There is one other announcement for those of you um, who f- are on Facebook and are on either the Doctor Who Podshock or the Gallifrey Embassy Facebook. You're a fan of the on the whatever they call it. We call it a page. What did they call that last time? Yeah, Lewis? page. I think. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're Facebook pages. You may uh, have seen me post a link 
to a brand new convention coming to the New York area, and you can save the website now. There's a sort of a website up. It doesn't have all the information just yet, but you can keep it in your favorites and then check it from time to time. And that's New York TARDIS, and it's all one word, uh, www.newyorktardis.com, I believe it is. And it's from the good folks who have brought you Chicago TARDIS. Next May 2010 are bringing a convention to New York, and that should be fantastic. It's the weekend before Memorial Day, so I think it's the 22nd of May 2010. And nothing has been set in stone just yet, but... Uh, Gene from Alien Entertainment and Chicago Tardis has agreed to come on Podshock and we'll carry the first announcement of the the guest announcement. That's from what I'm hearing. So that should be pretty cool. Looking forward but to save it. But the, save the webpage in your favorites and then just hit it from time to time and it should be pretty spectacular. It's one of the reasons I'm going to Chicago Tardis because I really want to see what what it is they do and I'm hoping that's going to get modeled when they come to New York. So I, I would imagine it would as, you know, obviously the hotel will be different, but I would imagine they'll probably stick to what works. Yeah, absolutely. So that's pretty exciting because that's the second group of people who are going to put together something in New York as you as we mentioned before and that um Jared mentioned in the in the last episode when when we spoke with him that um who York is a, a group of people putting events together. It's it's Barnaby from DWNY amongst a few other people who are putting some Doctor Who related events together, modeled after what Hurricane Who is doing, where they're starting with a, a few one day or one evening events and building up to something uh, in the future. And that's I think is a great model. Come in, get some credibility. You know, start doing some events. Getting I mean their their pub meets have guests already, so that should tell you that they're on the right on the right track. And speaking of Barnaby, he's now blogging on our site, gallifreyandembassy.org, so check it out. He has a uh, very popular blog that's taking place right now, and if you go to the blogs page, you'll find it there, or his most recent ones will be on the front page. Yeah, it's fantastic. I'm, we're glad to, to have him, so that's all awesome stuff. All right, let's, let's go to the newsroom. So the a bunch of things that have happened. latest it's breaking has- news as we're recording this, and this is coming out of the sun, so treat it you know, as such with a, a grain of um, sand from the deserts from... Planet of the Dead. Planet of the Dead, thank you. Did you get the <laughs> Blu-ray to that, Lewis? I do have it. I haven't had a chance to review it yet, and it's on my, um, on my to-do list as far as um, watching and reviewing, so yes. I was okay. I was actually going to ask you if you had a chance to uh, if you had seen it or if you have it and if you had a chance to watch it to show you how busy I've been it's still in the cardboard f- from the shipping you know, <laughs> not even because Lewis always jokes about how stuff is not even out of the shrink wrap yet yes I, mine hasn't even come out of the cardboard yet <laughs> I, I rattled I shook it a little bit just to make sure I didn't hear like tons of little pieces in there. But I ordered it with the the Torchwood uh, Blu-rays as well, so yeah, I did a same whole, here. So I'm anxious to see it in high def. So that's um, it'll be the first Doctor Who in high def for me. Oh yeah. Anyway, so we were so talking getting about back to the Sun stuff. story, this is um, and this, thankfully James is here because he can fill us in a little bit about this fellow because I haven't heard of him before. But according to the Sun. Uh, Mike Skinner from The Streets, which is um, supposedly he's a, a rapper or a rapper-like singer, artist, or whatever, is um, supposedly landed a role in Doctor Who. And it's sort of been, the beans were sort of spilled when he had used Twitter. He had tweeted, quote, I can't talk about it, 
But let's just say I got a part in Doctor Who, which um, made those the powers that be at, at the Doctor Who production team and BBC are pretty upset because uh, they didn't want him announcing that at all. So, yeah, especially if he's not really in it. <laughs> <laughs> it could he's like, be how very, do I boost be, very well be the case. People go on my Twitter page. So he's uh, now James. Now he's a fairly popular singer in the uk he really hasn't penetrated the the well i don't follow rap music so far i know he is big in the u.s as well i just don't know him well he's he is very much a uk artist he he's also he is as you've rightly pointed out also known as the streets and he's i think he's from birmingham here in the uk he's probably he's more of a uh, garage or grime artist i think than a than a rapper really and he's he's had a few uh, high profile albums and several number ones ones and things, so uh, it's quite surprising to me that they that they have put him in an episode. Really, I think if he is there, it'll probably be a cameo or something. Um, I don't know how accurate this story is, or indeed if he's going to have a a major role, but we'll wait and see. I mean, he seems like a good lad. We've said this many times before. Stephen Moffat knows what he's doing, so uh, he he must have cast uh, him because he's he's good. He's a good actor, or he's, he's he would play the role very very well. So, but according to the Sun, he's filming scenes with the new Doctor. Mm-hmm. So that's Matt Smith. That's Matt Smith, of course. Yeah, and he was uh, quote forced to take down uh, to delete that Twitter message. Now, one thing to know about Twitter or or anything on the internet, once you put it on the internet. It's out there. <laughs> so yes. even if you delete a tweet, it just deletes it from the Twitter web page. It's anyone that has a Twitter client or anything that captures your, your tweets, it will remain there. So it's um, yep. be careful what you tweet. Don't tweet anything that you wouldn't want to say. It, the Internet is a public forum, so that mm. people have to remember that. So uh, we don't wish any ill towards Mike Skinner, but it, it's just something that um, these type when the, these stories arise, you it's a reminder to everyone that uses the internet to um, don't post anything on the internet that you wouldn't you want, want to, to you that, wouldn't yeah. want to post on the side of your house. Yeah, it's... and there's and and also the internet is not a spoiler-free zone. No, exactly. Um, if, if, you, from... if you log onto the internet, prepare to be spoiled about something that you watch or follow. <laughs> yes. Well, that's why. In our last episode, well, it might have been the Sonic News Driver that I, I gave a warning to um, anyone that goes to the various tabloid sites to check out the new TARDIS to be careful because there's a there, there, it, you could also stumble upon pictures of a spoiler um, character that's returning. So. Yes, yeah, yeah. You really do have to be very careful these days. I think there's no there's no avoiding spoilers unless you're really really careful. Unfortunately, but you know. If you're someone like me who quite enjoys seeing the little tidbits and things now and again, it's uh, it's all good. It's all good. Mm. Yeah, I just so, write it off as an occupational hazard right now. <laughs> There's yeah, no avoiding this, it. This next story was was huge, or, or at least has been treated as huge, and in some ways it, it really is, but we didn't lead off with it. Tom Baker is returning to the part of Doctor Who. But this time, it's not for Big Finish. It's for BBC audiobooks, and he's returning in a six-part series of, of audiobooks. Well, 
is he is is it going to be read dramatically or is he just no it's a it's a cast recording because richard oh. franklin is in it as well as mike yates okay because that was the big question i know this story actually originally i wanted to, i would like to say break but it mummered out back in may towards the end of may was when this first started surfacing but the infant there was there was no press release there was nothing that really we could really grab a hold of all that we knew that Tom Baker was going to be involved in these audio books and, or uh, based on books, these stories based on books. We didn't know if it was going to be an audio book or as I just asked right now, if it was going to be a dramatic reading or audio plays, you know, well, yeah, so. originally I think we had heard that he was, Oh, he was going to, to read some, uh, geez, I just, I just clicked on the website and it's going on me. Sorry. The the, pre- the preview just went on the computer. I thought originally that he might do some – this was going to be original story that he would read because he has read mm-hmm. the novelizations, the, the, the audio books of the Target novelizations in the past. He's done some fantastic reads. I mean, Creature from the Pit is ridiculous. So I thought that this wasn't really a huge coup at the time, but now seeing that it's a fully dramatized – piece with richard franklin as his co-star and it's called doctor who hornet's nest and it is a series of of episodes the first one the stuff of nightmares he's actually going to return to the role where when he reads an audiobook he might be impersonating himself playing the doctor but he's the narrator this time around he's actually going to return and actually portray the doctor as a role that's fantastic yeah i think it is i think it's it's awesome i i now, this is the first want, time he's do, out, outside be, of uh, that little special that we like to forget about. This is the first time he's actually playing the role since he left. Yes, and um, yeah. since the, since yeah. I I didn't I didn't want that to sound like I was knocking Big Finish. I just think that BBC Audiobooks probably has a ton of money they can throw at them. You know, they have the power of the BBC behind them, and so. This whole thing about he was the doctor that that big finish never got. I just think at some point somebody said at BBC Audiobooks, hey, you know, we should just ask Tom Baker if he wants to do something. And, they, you know, what's the worst he could say? No, then we'll throw money at him. Mm. Well, he, 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 does he still do um, the narration for Little Britain? Yes. Uh, I believe so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's a BBC show, right? Yes, that's the BBC program. So he's still mm-hmm. he's still on the BBC payroll as it is. So mm-hmm. it's just um, and it's since since then it's gone to the states. They've made a yeah. I know it's been on HBO, yeah. and he's still narrated those as well. I believe so. Yes. yes. Yeah. Well, this is a uh, very exciting news. I think it's going to be available in September. September third is the first edition. Yes, sir. Yes. Yeah, and it's called uh, the Hornets. Nest, I believe. Yep. Yeah. The stuff Just of nightmares back. is the first one, and other ones include the, dead the hornet's shoes. nest, the dead shoes, hive of horror, uh, the sting in the tail. So there's 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 a few. I think it's a series of six of them coming out. What is it about monthly? Perhaps it's it's almost like a like a subscription thing. I think it's fantastic. I'm really excited about this. It's nice to hear Tom Baker back. Uh, m- maybe. It seems extremely special because we've had Peter Davison and Colin Baker and Sylvester McCoy and Paul McCann do them for Big Finish. So we're finally getting a chance to have Tom Baker come back as the Doctor as well. And they'll be available on CD and download. And we had, before his 
uh, his passing in 1996, John Pertwee did too as well. You know, he did the radio shows that that Barry Letts did with Elizabeth Sladen and Nicholas Courtney. And um, it's nice that we we have that additional John Pertwee material now. You know, especially looking back on it, it's just great to have two more stories with the John Pertwee Doctor that we didn't have. So I think never get enough of um, John Pertwee as the Doctor. And and the same with Tom Baker. So yes, these are these are episodes that we will now have in our collection, and another Tom Baker story. Need I say mm. more? Mm. <laughs> so moving on, then, uh, kind of a minor bit of fun news really is that uh, John Barrowman has uh, made it to number fourteen in the charts, um, the UK music his... charts. UK music charts, indeed, with his song I Made It Through the Rain, which I have to say I'm guilty of downloading it. And uh, I'm not a big fan of John Barrowman's music, but I just think there was a, a, a guy who I listened to on the radio, uh, Chris Moyles, in the morning. He sort of championed this song. Yeah. And it's, it's, very, it's a very, very catchy tune. I think it's a cover of... Um, Barry Manilow. Barry Manilow, yeah. Yes. And uh, it, it gets in your brain, so I had to download it. And, and Chris, Chris, I think I mentioned this last time on Podshock yes. that um, Chris was chatting to John, and uh, John, uh, Chris said, you know, if if I get, um, I made it through the rain into the top fifteen, can we have a pajama party with milk and cookies over at your place? So aside from it being such a catchy tune, I downloaded it purely because I think the idea of Chris Moyles <laughs> and John Barrowman sitting down together having a pajama party with milk and cookies is pretty hilarious. Uh, um, you know, in America on iTunes, um, there's a highlight podcast of that radio show. So I downloaded it after that yeah. episode, James, and I listened to it. And the information has come out since you mentioned that on the on the last podcast – it, he's not coming to America for a Russell T. Davies-based thing. We've now found out that he's coming to America to join the cast of Desperate Housewives. Yes, yeah, I read that too, um, which uh, I think is, is quite interesting, and I wonder what character he's going to play. Um, I've only seen the program maybe well, a handful of times. I don't even think I've seen a full episode, but uh, it, it's, it's good that he's... he's him and David Tennant, they all seem to be branching out in the U.S., and that's got to be a good thing because, if anything, it increases the exposure of Doctor Who and Torchwood. Um, and Americans could use some good television. <laughs> yeah, you said gonna... it may not be. You said it may not be. <laughs> hey, I'm just calling it the way I well. see it. Yeah. Well, the the music that uh, James was talking about that I Made It Through the Rain is available on his 2008 album, Music, 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 which is uh, available in um, on Amazon US as an import or domestically in the Amazon UK or anywhere else that you can find it. If you go to our website, you'll find a preview of that particular song as well that's uh, made it to uh, YouTube while it's still there if you want to... Uh, you know, preview it before buying it. And there's links to, um, to both Amazon stores from our website, org or pachak.net. Mm. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, uh, quality television coming to America, uh, PBS is going to be picking up, uh, the RSC's recent production of Hamlet, which of course starred David Tennant and Patrick Stewart. That's, uh, going to be airing in the U S as part of PBS's 
great performances series in 2010. So it's a little way off yet, but it's it's quite exciting that they're going to be doing this, I think, because I know there were lots and lots of people who were really thrilled about the fact that, you know, David Tennant and Patrick Stewart were going to be in a Shakespeare play. Patrick yeah, Stewart fantastic. obviously is no no stranger to Shakespeare. He's He made his career being a Shakespearean actor. And it gives um, an opportunity like, for a lot of people that hadn't had a chance to see it live in person to, uh, exactly, to see this. Exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. definitely. And it's, that's what's so thrilling about it, and I'm really pleased that they're doing it. And uh, I, I don't even know if it's been shown in the UK on TV. So, you know, this may be a first where it's been screened anywhere outside of the theatre. So. Yeah, Does it say exciting. when, James? Do they have an idea of when it's going to be? Um, well, they believe it's going to be in, in 2010. Oh, okay. Um, so it was, it's this. not that they have a, a set date. They don't have a set date yet, but... Uh, David Tennant is also going to be on PBS in in October on a thing called he's going to be hosting Masterpiece Contemporary Series, where, um, which I think is is a quite a long running thing on PBS. Yeah. He's ho- he's hosting that, um, which is pretty cool, and it seems to be getting a lot of attention by newspapers and things uh, in the states. They've publicised a lot of things about it, which is quite cool. If I can just backtrack a little bit to um, to John Barrowman and Desperate Housewives and um, his work on that music, and he was also just recently in a uh, car accident. He's okay, but he was in um, he had had some glass in his eye after the accident. He was what's um, Top Gear is it or one? Uh, I think it was actually Fifth Gear, which is the sort of the alternative to Top Gear. And it's I think it Channel Five's mm-hmm. version of Top Gear. There's been some. Uh, worries in fandom when this news about Desperate Housewives broke where he was going to be in it and then people thought well this is going to put in jeopardy any future Torchwood series so it's John Barrowman he's he, he this man can do three five twenty things simultaneously <laughs> he was just at the uh, the, the convention at San Diego Comic Con he was uh, he, obviously he had time to do recording he's doesn't he host one of the, isn't he a presenter at one of these um, shows uh, sort of like Dancing with the Stars or yeah he's he's done he's he does all sorts of stuff he's got his hands in many pies to be honest he did, he, he's he, performing he in the West End I think he, yes he, he, he's been he's he's continually on stage he's hosted programs like Any Dream Will Do which is the uh, the TV series that you were you were referencing, as well as um, oh, what was the name? How do you solve a problem like Maria? Again, looking for for new uh, talent um, in terms of uh, for putting on for stage productions. Mm-hmm. Tonight's the night, which is kind of a reinvented version of uh, of Jim or Fix. He's it. going on tour now. He has a new book that he collaborated with his sister with and he's going on tour in the UK right now he's released October dates for a book signing on his book he's 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 doing so much you think that just because he has a role on Desperate Housewives it's going to prevent him from doing another Torchwood series I, I this is anything, not, anyone else maybe John Barrowman no <laughs> if anything from what I gather filming in the states is a lot different to filming in the UK in the UK because we don't have that much money we tend to take a lot more time filming things. 
Whereas in the States, because there's not much time, but you guys have got a lot of money, if there's a problem, you just throw money at it and you know, it gets be fixed. be that as it may, even if it was just limited to the UK, this is John Barrowman. He, I, I think there's more than one of him. I don't know how he does it. <laughs> I mean, just looking at his, his, his resume of what he's doing currently, you just, it's, it's exhausting. Yes, and, and, and he was just in this accident and, and uh, fifth gear, you know, it, it, nothing, th- there's no holds bar with him. So I don't think people have to fear that um, there's not enough of John to go around because he makes it, you know, he, he, he makes it happen. The in- innuendo is almost writing itself. <laughs> <laughs> there's plenty of John Barrowman to go around. I think he'd, <laughs> I think he'd like that. As I, I'm, I'm sure he will. I, John, you can send me a check if you like. <laughs> we should put that on a t-shirt. There's plenty of John Barrowman to go around. <laughs> All right. So um, I know we have a lot of feedback that's waiting to be. Um, any other major news stories that we want to kind of cover? Um, aside from the odd little tidbit here and there, I think we've we've covered pretty much the the fundamentals of this week because it's been quite a slow... Newsweek. Yeah, been after Comic Con, we had all those. Uh, we, we had a burst of Doctor Who information coming out of the news with the photos and the new Eleventh um, Doctor's um, costume, and yeah, it was just the Waters seemed, of Mars preview. Yeah, the Waters of Mars preview, and then obviously at Comic Con they had a little preview of um, the end of time. So there was a lot of hoopla going on at that time, and now things have settled down where it's um, very little information. I do want to urge people to go to our website because there's a lot of other news that we don't cover on the podcast that's on our website, such as um, new exclusive figures coming out through the Forbidden Planet. There's uh, the third Doctor figure. There's a new sixth Doctor figure in a a post-regenerated state from um, the Caves of Androzani. So he's still wearing the fifth Doctor's outfit full of mud and all that. I think that was pretty cool. So check it out on our website, gallifrenemacy.org or pachak.net. Actor Harry Tube or Tub, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right, has passed away too. He's been a, a guest on a couple of Doctor Who stories. There's more information about that on our website. So I do want to urge all our listeners. Pudding. What was that? It's like a, a pudding. It was in uh, <laughs> uh, Terror of the Autons. Mm-hmm. It's just ridiculous. It's he awesome. McDermott <laughs> in uh, Terror of the Autons. He was Osgood in Seeds of Death with Patrick Troughton. So. The whole point is that there's a lot of news that we don't cover in our website, in our podcast that's available on our website. And, of course, a little self-serving plug for the Soccer News Driver, which also covers some selected Doctor Who news stories as well to supplement you between Doctor Who Podshock episodes. So I yep, yep. guess that's going to be it. We'll, we'll take a break and we'll come right back with your feedback. I'm Elizabeth Sladen, and you're listening to Doctor Who Podshock. We'd like to thank our new sponsor, Dragon Slayer Comics and Fantasy. They are supporting Doctor Who Podshock, so please support us by supporting them. Dragon Slayer Comics and Fantasy, welcome to Doctor Who Podshock. They have stores in Austin and San Antonio. They sell Doctor Who action figures, CDs and comics. They also sell board games, role-playing games, card games, graphic novels, manga, and a whole lot more. Check out their website at dlair.net. That's D as in dragonlair.net. Dragon's Lair Comics and Fantasy is celebrating its 23rd anniversary from August 28th 
to the August 30th, and that's they've been around almost as long as the Gallifreyan Embassy, so they've got a great track record. And and on the 29th, we'll be donating 10% of all sales to award-winning science fiction author Aaron Alston to help him with his medical expenses. So come by, enjoy the sales, the events, and help support a great cause. Visit them in person. Visit Dragon's Lair Comics and Fantasy in person in either Austin or San Antonio or on the web at dlair.net. That's D as in Dragon, Lair.net. Or you can give them a call, 512-454-2399. 512-454-2399. Fantastic. All right, we're back with Doctor Who Podshock. James and Ken are still with me, thankfully. <laughs> at least I think oh, they are. Thankfully. <laughs> Both of them have nodded off. <laughs> and we come to the portion of the program that's dedicated to you, our listeners. We're very grateful for you being there with us. and We're gr- very grainful. We're, we're grainful as well. That's what you said. You said we're very grainful. We're healthy and good for you. <laughs> Fiber is good for you. And so is feedback. Yes. So we've gotten a lot of feedback. We haven't had it's with Comic Con and everything else in the news um, that's been dominating our web our podcast recently. We really haven't had a chance to get to a lot of your feedback. So we're gonna um, try to get to some of it today, and we may not get to all of it. So if you haven't heard your feedback, don't worry. We'll get to it in a matter of time, and that's what Doctor Who's all about. It's a matter of time and space. So, so to start things off, let's um, dig into our feedback bag. And we, um, well, before I go any further, let me tell you how you can send us feedback because it's various different ways. It is a audio podcast, so we do urge you to send us audio feedback, and you could do that quite easily by sending feedback to our Podshock public call box, and you can do that by call, by dialing dialing who has a dial anymore by punching your your keyboard or your digits on your cell phone or mobile phone or whatever calling device you use to 206-600-6517 once again that's 206-600-6517 that's a 206 area code so be aware of that in the u.s so uh, we don't charge you anything for it but uh your phone company may and uh, it works just as if you were leaving any other voicemail anywhere else. It's You'll get a voice welcoming you and just leave your feedback there and we'll be um, potentially have in our show for in our feedback section. Or you can also send your audio feedback or written feedback to feedback at podshock.net. Digging into our feedback, let's go in and this is a piece of audio feedback that we received a little bit a while ago. So... Hey guys, this is Richard and Wichita again. Uh, called in, I think, once or twice and just wanted to call in and shed uh, maybe a little bit of light on the whole Doctor Who sci-fi BBC America thing and uh, give you just a, a little bit of tidbit of news that I realized last night. You know, first up, you know, there are still people questioning, you know, why Sci-Fi Channel would give up Doctor Who. And, and I think I mentioned this on a previous call. Really, the, the bottom line is, is that the Sci-Fi Channel doesn't make any money off of Doctor Who. Since Doctor Who is a BBC product, uh, the Sci-Fi Channel is simply having to pay BBC the rights to broadcast Doctor Who 
and any money they make off of that is off of advertising. That's it. They don't make any money off of merchandise or any, anything, which is why Sci-Fi has steadily tried to increase its original programming, whether it's the you know hour shows like Stargate or Battlestar Galactica, uh, the upcoming Warehouse 13, or the endless parade of really bad two-hour movies. It's because they make money off that uh, anytime you know it's released on DVD, if it's any type of merchandising, whether it's action figures, you know, comic books, magazines, what have you. Since it's a sci-fi original, anytime anyone else wants to do anything with those original programming, sci-fi makes money off of it. With Doctor Who, they don't, and uh, which explains why you know over the last several years, Sci-Fi Channel has just kind of weeded out a lot of non sci-fi programming or they put it in, you know, not so prime time programming, they'll uh, stick it in odder times because they want to go ahead and obviously the emphasis is on original programming. You know, from a business standpoint, on one hand it makes sense, but on the other hand, they are totally, you know, isolating the audience that has made them successful. The same reason why they're changing their name to to, you know, Sithy <laughs> S Y F Y because they couldn't make any money off of the sci-fi S-C-I-F-I because they can't trademark that. So you change your name, you trademark it, and that's how you make money off of it. So, uh, you know, honestly, I think Doctor Who moving to BBC America is a, is a fantastic move. And they are, are already showing signs that they're going to go ahead and, and pay much more reverence to it. I don't know if you guys have mentioned this or not yet, but the... Uh, you know, uh, Planet of the Dead is coming out on Blu-ray, I think, two or three days after it debuts on BBC America in late July. The cover of the Blu-ray actually says, as seen on BBC America. Um, so it's obvious that they're, that they're going to be trying to get the, the DVDs out quicker, although who knows what's going to happen to the next Doctor, why it's not scheduled for release. But, you know, it will be, and it's just a matter of, uh, you know, BBC America is paying more attention to it. I noticed last night on record setting my DVR that uh, for the next doctor next weekend, it's actually scheduled for an hour and 15 minutes. Now, I suspect that it will still have some edits to it, but not nearly as much as I think it would if it was on the sci-fi channel. Uh, it's an hour program, if, I, if, I, if I've read correctly, it's an hour program without commercials. A typical hour of American programming contains at least 15 minutes of commercials. So, I mean, that would indicate that if you've got an hour program, you're, you're adding 15 minutes of commercials. You're still going to get a little bit of commercials once it goes past into that second hour. So, I mean, I would suspect there's still going to be some type of minor edits, but not as much as we've seen in the past, hopefully. Uh, at least they're, you know, not scheduling it for an hour and just taking big chunks of it out. So, uh, you know, I, and I believe that BBC America will, will give Doctor Who the, the due that it's, that it's deserved. I think that we'll obviously be seeing the specials, you know, a lot quicker in, in the future. I highly suspect that once October rolls around and Waters of Mars is there, that there will be a very limited amount of time, maybe even a couple of days difference between the two, which, I mean, that's tremendous. Um, just my thoughts and, and a little bit of inside info on, on why things have been, you know, they've done things the way they have. It really comes down to dollars, the almighty dollar, unfortunately, and, and the fans sometimes don't understand it. And they definitely get the shaft at times. These networks are in the business to make money, and sometimes they have to make decisions that are definitely detrimental in the long run. They think short term. They think, 
you know, this quarter or the next quarter, they really don't think long-term. And, and Sci-Fi Channel, I think, has made some key mistakes over the years as they continue to isolate their core audience. And I think that eventually it will hurt them, and I think eventually they will, you know, have to, you know, make a turn and, and make some changes. But unless, you know, they are successful. So AMC here did that here in the United States. They changed their programming strategy. They added advertising, and, uh, you know, they've succeeded. Uh, Turner Classic Movies filled in the gap, and, and AMC, you know, has changed. I think all of us, you know, who love old movies recognize that AMC is not the channel it once was. But it's found a new audience, and that's probably what's going to happen to the Sci-Fi Channel. It'll find a new audience with its changes, and unfortunately, the older audience is left still wanting, you know, a science fiction channel that actually shows real science fiction programming. So, just a few thoughts, guys. I'm loving the show as always. Take care. Well, thank Thanks you. for that feedback, mate. That's really cool, and some very interesting points there. I have to say, um, this is just my humble opinion on this. I'm really glad that the Sci-Fi Channel has changed their name to Siffy because for them not to have Doctor Who and be called the longest-running science fiction program and debatably, or not, although probably not to this audience, the greatest sci-fi show ever made on the Sci-Fi Channel is ridiculous and they should hang their heads in shame. So I'm glad that they've changed their name because now that they're no longer the sci-fi channel, they don't have to, to have it. I mean, if you're going to market yourself as something, then don't be surprised if people ask, well, why aren't you carrying Doctor Who? And I'm quite glad, really, that it's, it's gone over to BBC America, really. They, I think Russell and David and people at the Comic-Con referred to Doctor Who coming home, mm-hmm. as in coming to, to BBC America. Yeah, the, the, the only drawback to that is that the BBC America doesn't have the penetration that the, the Sci-Fi Sifi Channel does. or now Sifi does as far as markets go. But hopefully that will change. And, and on a related story, BBC America just launched their high-definition channel, but no one's carrying it. So if a tree falls in the forest, does it make a noise? It's that type of scenario <laughs> where it's great that um, there's an HD channel of BBC America. It's not so great that no one's carrying it, as, mm-hmm. at least not yet. That there, um, there was a press release or some news story saying that hopefully um, there'll be some new announcements coming soon with um, channels carrying it. And uh, But I, I think this feedback was very intelligent as far as um, explaining some of the reasoning behind why the sci-fi channel is um, focusing more on their own original programming. But I have to say that, be that as it may, to get viewers to your channel, it's sometimes you, you'll take a loss on uh, maybe just getting only income through advertising on a particular program just to pull in viewers. You know, I, I as a science fiction fan, it's pretty sad that I don't even watch the channel anymore because there's nothing on it that, that interests me. And, and now I won't watch it because uh, seeing Siffy there is just an insult. So I don't know. But if you carry programming that, that doesn't maybe make you as much money but get your viewers that you can then market your other shows to which they're very keen on doing they they're, they're very much into that whole lower thirds animated bs stuff that they put on the bottom of the screens to tell you what's coming up you know right before the commercial break they'll tell you you know what's coming up next and then in the commercial break they'll tell you again what's coming up next or or next week or whatever and um, it's it's quite annoying but i think bbc america probably is a better uh, presentation of Doctor Who with it being un, um, uncut. There's still commercial interruptions, but at least they're taking care not to slice it down and, and chop it up as much. 
So, shall we move on to an email then? Yes. So this is from uh, Cyber Dreadnought. He says, hi guys, I'm a new fan of Podshock and I thought I'd give you my take on Power of the Daleks. It's a very interesting and witty story. It kind of has that Aliens feel about it. It's a good reminder of how cunning, ruthless and evil the Daleks are. It also reminds us not to underestimate even just one singular Dalek. It gives five. T- uh, I give it five Tardis, uh, Tardis groans out of five. On a lighter note, I can't wait for Torchwood Children of Earth. Already have the DVR set to record it. Oh, and one last thing: keep up the brilliant work. You guys are absolutely right. They need to bring back Jamie. Cheers, mates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be fantastic. Yeah, we'll call Fraser right now. And- I'm sure he'd do it, and I think everybody would love it if he did. No arguments there. We'll go to another audio feedback. Feed my back. Hello there, Podshock. This is Rem calling. Now that there's a very long wait between now and the next special, there seems to be an increase in the interest in Big Finish audios and a lot of requests for suggestions. Since I've listened to a great many BF audios, I thought I'd throw out a list of the top five Big Finish audios for each doctor. Mind you, I haven't listened to every audio, so if there's one out there that you Podshock listeners love that you think needs more attention, please send in your own reviews. The more the merrier. Because it would take quite a bit of time to go over all 20 audios and their reviews, I'll break it down into four parts. The first one's featuring Dr. Five, the next one featuring Dr. Six, and so on. For now, I'll give you my reviews for the top five Big Finch audios for Dr. Number Five. Starting with number one, Red Dawn. Red Dawn is written by Justin Richards and features Peter Davidson, Nicola Bryant, and George Moffat. Yes, that one. The cute one. Set during an expedition to the planet Mars to explore a geographical anomaly, this is one of the best Big Finish audios ever. And I mean ever. You can never really fail with stories featuring the Ice Warriors. And in Red Dawn particularly, we're treated with a spectacular story that not only features their typical villainy ways, but also explores the Ice Warriors as more than just 2D cutouts to contrast against the awesomeness that is the Doctor. However, neither the Doctor nor Perry disappoint in this adventure, with Bryant and Davison each giving a lovely performance. Richard manages to avoid the trap of predictability that many reoccurring monster stories can fall into, and you'll find that the story holds surprises all the way until the end. If you haven't listened to any big f- number five, any Doctor number five stories yet, this is the one to start with. Number two is Omega. It's written by Nez Fallon, who also writes the next story that's going to be reviewed. Omega is part of a tril- trilogy of fantastic big finished stories that really explore the characters of well-known Doctor Who villains in a whole new, oftentimes humanizing way, giving them a depth of character that can't always be explored in a limited television format, as well as some depth to the relationship between them and the Doctor. In Omega, the Doctor receives an odd telepathic message that leads him to a place where millennia ago, Omega's ship disappeared from our universe while creating the source of energy needed by the Time Lords to power their time travel. Filled with hilarious banter and great one-liners, in fact, fantastic one-liners. Omega isn't perfect, but if you enjoy an amusing mystery and finding out more about Omega, this is definitely the story for you. However, if you don't like stories that feature the Doctor and only doc- the Doctor with no companions, you might want to skip this one and go on to a few more before coming back to it. Number three is The Kingmaker, also written by Nev Fountain and featuring the lovely talents of Peter Davison, Nicola Bryant, and Caroline Morris as Aramim, who is a fantastic companion. 
as well as many other great actors. The Kingmaker is a fan favorite among Big Finish listeners, and for good reason. Jam-packed with humorous wit, new and classic Who references, as well as plenty of historical and literary references, this is really a delight to listen to. And it's a story in which you won't be able to catch everything in one go. So its replay value is fantastic. Not really a serious Who story by any account. The Kingmaker is one of those lovely little bits of fluff that, give us the, it, that gives Who its reputation for catering to the fans. Because the more you know about Who in history, the better the Kingmaker sounds. Definitely listen to this if you've watched the classic series. Number four is Creatures of Beauty, written by the absolutely fantastic Nicholas Briggs and featuring Peter Davison and Sarah Sutton. I have to admit, when it comes to audios, I'm not really a huge fan of the five Nissa combo, simply because their temperament is much too similar, and as such doesn't really offer in the, much in the way of how the Doctor and his companions usually play off each other. For example, the Doctor and Donna. However, Creatures of Beauty is the exception. Set on a world where planet-wide ecological disaster has caused horrible disfigurement among the population, Creatures of Beauty is one of those stories that keeps you thinking the entire time, and where right and wrong is never obvious. In particular, Sarah Sutton's performance is absolutely beautiful, showcasing her strengths and providing the character of Nyssa new opportunities for growth and de development. It's definitely worth a listen, although you might have to get used to slower stories. It's definitely not as fast-paced as uh, many others. Number five, which is the last but not least, is Singularity, written by James Swallow and featuring Peter Davidson, Mark Striction, and many others. Singularity is, in my opinion, one of the creepiest five audios yet. And I say that because the ideas presented in the story not only tackle the ultimate fate of the human race, but also the daily choices we make and how much control we give to those who claim to be sent by a higher power or for a higher purpose. Set in Russia sometime in the near future, the Doctor and Turlo are forced to land because of a phase displacement in time and find themselves quickly entangled in the life of a girl named Lena and the mysterious Somnus Foundation. One of the best stories to feature Turlo, Singularity is a fantastic listen. And also, the subtle possible reference to Red Dwarf is full of win. Give it a listen if you can. That's all for now. I'll try not to bore you too much. I'll call back later with the rest. So if you're interested, I'll let you know. Anyways, one more thing before I go. I live in Riverside, California, and I've been looking for a Doctor Who meet around here. I know there's a fantastic group over in L.A., but L.A. is a bit of a drive for me. And since I'm really busy with school, I can't always get out there. So if you know of a new Doctor Who group, or if you're interested in starting one, please contact me on the new and old Podchuck forums. My name there is Remke. That's R-E-M-K-I. Or you can email me at apothecarytea tea at gmail.com. Apothecary tea is all one word. Anyways, I hope you all are having a happy day, and I'll talk to you later. Thank you. Bye. Wow. Fantastic. Fantastic, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping the next one is the sixth doctor, the top five Colin Baker uh, big finishes. I, I love getting people's feedback on what they like about the big finish stuff because I'm a fan of big finish, so... Uh, I haven't listened to them all. So when somebody says, oh, you really have to check this one out, that's always good because it's a great starting point when you're like, hmm, what haven't I, what haven't I picked up yet? And when someone's really passionate about, about, passionate about which one they like, I'm like, okay, I'll buy that one then. Very good. So, um, James, did we have another email? Yes, yes, we have loads and loads of email. 
I've got a quick one here from Dalek Tfax. And he says, I love your show and I really want to catch up on the live reviews for season four. It has taken me about six months to get to episode 114. And I really want to listen to the individual episode reviews of 2008. I've tried to find that live raw link at the right, uh, in the right column, but can't find this. This is my fab. This is a fab season so far. Love your work, Dalek Tfax. Do you know what he's he's talking about? Yeah, I indeed. Think, I think uh, he's looking for the live shows, the live review, sh- the live review shows that we did for the 2008 series. And at that time, we what normally what we do is um, when we do a live review show of a particular news story. Let's just say. Um, planet of the dead that was the most recent special that came out in april we would record a live show through talk show where uh, we'll have live people obviously on the show and get responses we'll, we'll review the episode and, and get everyone else's take on it and then that episode is then edited and polished in post-production and put out on our feeds what happened at that time was that we were really busy and there was um, a unnamed convention that was supposed to be starting, you know, getting off the ground and that was um, taxing my time. Be that as it may, these episodes never got the post-production treatment, so they're only available in their raw fo- format and they were never put onto our regular feeds. So, But if you go to our website and right now those range of episodes fall in... into our previous episodes, episodes 1 through 47 are, episodes 1 through episode 147 are available through our previous website, which is still gallifrandembassy.org or podshock.net, but you'll see a a link to our previous website, and if you go there and look through our episode listings there, you'll find a, um, and if you're listening to the Enhanced Podcast, I'll just direct you right there with a link to this um, section that has, lists all the review episodes in their raw format that you can download right from there. Cool. Very, very cool. Okay, why don't we have another quick email then? This is from Exile, and he says, Hi guys, I'm listening to Podshop 155, reviewing The Power of the Daleks, and I had to mention something that has always driven me crazy about this story. I've never heard the BBC audio version, and I've relied on my old battered VHS telesnap reconstruction for this story. Uh, no mention is made of the Doctor changing his clothes. He just seems to regenerate into the costume he wears for the remainder of his run. Could you imagine being born in clothes that you'd have to wear for the rest of your life? I'd be sitting here in a powder blue leisure suit. <laughs> oh, well. Power is a great story otherwise. At least it's not the twin dilemma. That one is just painful. Love the show. Keep up the great work. Build high for happiness exile awesome cheers mate yeah it, it's true that uh, the twin dilemma isn't isn't the greatest story ever made i have to say i'm not a huge fan of it but thank you for that sort of mini mini review or indeed uh, uh, interesting point uh, to make out i don't think they've ever they've ever really sort of gotten out of that hole really with the the clothes and everything but never mind at least they're addressing it these days with a nice scene in the tardis and hopefully we'll have that with uh, with matt smith Watch him picking out his costume in the TARDIS. Or maybe he's just born with it. Maybe, maybe. The whole thing with Patrick Troughton that was he was supposed to be a smaller frame than William Hartnell, which was kind of hard to imagine as well, but he, his ring kept on falling off, and 
Um, I, I think the, the the baggy clothes was supposed to be, in a sense, I think Hartnell's baggy clothes on him, or or perhaps maybe not, because he uh, it was more obviously not the same outfit, but mm. but maybe that's mm. what they were going after, or the idea, or the sense behind it. I don't know. <laughs> there must have been some sense behind it, but never mind. We'll we'll continue with our audio feedback, and we we may not get to all of them today. And like I said, we'll there'll be a future Doctor Who podcast that no, we'll get to. Them. get to them all. <laughs> People took time and effort out to. Well, to, there, to there's a lot to cover, it. Ken. Well, then let's get going. <laughs> hey guys, uh, Philip here, calling from Los Angeles, and I've uh, been listening to you guys for many years, just since a little after the, uh, the new series started. And first time I've ever uh, sent some feedback your way, but I am uh, one of the key demographics that grew up with the show here um, in the 80s and uh, now in the industry, and uh, I'm uh, definitely a big proponent and a big supporter of this revival and so such. But um, what brings me specifically to call you, you now is... Um, I, uh, I'm a talent agent, and I work in the business, like I said, and uh, without getting too specific, but um, I have it on some very good information that I received right before the weekend that the Comic-Con panel is going to feature a multi-pronged plan for this program to try and make serious inroads in the United States and specifically, you know, uh, expanding different options as in possibly a feature, possibly doing a totally Americanized version of the show. Again, this is all just things I'm hearing, so I don't know if any of it will come to pass. But I guess in hearing this information and having heard some of this stuff already, you know, before that, I guess it just concerns me, and I wanted to kind of share my thoughts with you. I think that the very reason why this program, you know, kind of petered out, obviously, you know, there was a lot of political things going on in the, uh, you know, in the late 80s, mid to late 80s, but I think even more so, I think that this show, you know, it just really, um, it disconnected, and I think that the idea being that, you know, you had this 26-year run, and I think that ultimately anything is going to creatively maybe hit a roadblock, and that's why initially when I had heard they were taking this year off, I think that that is the best thing in the world. I think that the the common misconception in the entertainment industry is that when something's hot, you need to, you know, just run with it and, and, you know, blitz it everywhere. And I think there's key examples where that never works. You know, uh, Star Trek's a great example. You know, you had this pristine franchise that reached this pinnacle in the late 80s, and then they just decided to do five different series and, you know, have it everywhere. And, of course, inevitably, when you have that much content, the quality is going to suffer and Star Trek basically imploded, and it took a massive, massive relaunch uh, on every level for them to, you know, regain that franchise. And, you know, they lost 10 years of that franchise because of the damage that had been done, and only now with, you know, just a radical new approach do we have some life left in that franchise. And I think with Doctor Who, they've got this great opportunity where they created four years, which, you know, barring a few little uh, stumbles, I think it was four highly, highly successful years, why not take a break? Why not just give people that, that urge to, to uh, 
want something, the, the idea that they, that they you know, yearn for it instead of just continually throwing everything in our face. Because from what I'm hearing, there isn't really a gap year. I mean, they literally are just continuing with this blitz, and then next year it's going to be even worse in addition to having a whole new Series 5. And so the key here is that you have to, you know, just – you know, give little bits and pieces to your audience. Make them want more. Don't ever make them get to the point where it's getting tired or it's getting fatigued because that's when you start to have the viewer fall off. And inevitably, as the viewers fall off, the morale of the creators takes a dive. And I think that's what happened in the late 80s is that, is that the, the viewership dramatically fell off and that impacted the enthusiasm that the creators were putting into it. And you know, uh, everybody can make an argument, but I, I think most people would agree that, that, you know, those Sylvester McCoy years are difficult to watch, barring a little uptick towards the very end. But, uh, you know, you can clearly see that a, a mainstream audience outside the fan base was not going to embrace those, you know, tedious Curse of Fenwick type of episodes that require a deep, deep investment, you know, of someone who's not a, a diehard fan. Again, don't get me wrong. There's certain parts of that era that I like, but I think most would agree the show was on life support and, you know, the political stuff didn't help that was going on, but I think creatively, you know, it was in trouble too. So anyway, this has gone on really long, but I guess I'm just hearing too many things from these friends of mine who know I'm a fan who are involved in all this, and it's just concerning to me that they they feel like, you know, now you've got three spinoffs with a fourth one on the way, um, you know, this canine, yeah, I know it's not by the BBC, but the bottom line is, in the public's mind, it's another Doctor Who show, regardless of who's making it. It's just, they're, they're flirting with disaster here, and they need to just pull back, and, um, you know, if, if they show restraint, and if they play this just right, this show could run, you know, inevitably for many, many, many years without having these kinds of fatigue, you know, points that it's getting at. And I think that RTD got out right at the right time. I think that, uh, you know, it, it was just the perfect time for him to get out because maybe there were some cracks starting to form in, in his storytelling. And, you know, he capped it off perfectly, and obviously we'll have the end of that this year. But anyway, this has gone on really long, and I just wanted to make that point because, you know, like I said, I want to see this thing run for a long, long time. And I know it's painful for people, but a little break, a little bit of a a time off to to miss something is the key to making this thing go forever and ever, you know, indefinitely. Anyway, thanks so much for giving me this opportunity, and uh, I I will endeavor to make this more frequent give you guys some uh, inside tips, you know, as I hear them, because I do hear a lot of stuff, but I just, this is the first time I really felt compelled to to uh, let you guys know. Okay, that's it for now. Signing off here from Los Angeles. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, I I agree, and I, I've been, when, when the first news came down that they were going to take a bit of a break with this year. I know the caller said that he didn't feel that this was a break, but it really is. I mean, they're switching production teams heading into Matt Smith's era. There, I think that this cause, the concern is just that they're spreading themselves too thin. You saw it with Star Trek, you're seeing it with, with Stargate, and you don't want to keep endlessly spinning things off. But at the same time, they've sought, they, they, they have kind of put Torchwood on hold. Its future is uncertain. They went with a miniseries this year. They took a, a pause with Doctor Who. They're handing it off to somebody else. The problem that you had in the late 80s with 
Doctor Who, and in particular heading into the McCoy era and even Colin Baker's era, you had a producer who wanted to leave and was being forced to stay. And mm-hmm. that that injection of fresh creativity wasn't there. That enthusiasm for somebody to do something different wasn't there. This was a guy who had done his run, had had been the producer for a while, did what he wanted to do, and wanted to move on and hand the baton off. When he wasn't allowed to do that, the show suffered, and, and you saw that happen. You, know, you saw the, the, the inevitability was that it, the show was going to go on hiatus. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm glad you made it. I mean, Doctor Who's survival has always been, uh, the charm of Doctor Who has been, as um, if I can catch the, if I can reuse the phrase that Patrick Troughton uses, renewal and or regeneration. And it's not just the Doctor, but it's with the producers. And with each new producer comes new life. And as Ken just said, John Nathan Turner at that time was uh, he he wanted he had other projects lined up that he wanted to go on to. But he was not allowed to by the BBC, and he was forced to stay. You had you had a, a producer that was uh, forced to stay, who wanted to leave and move on, and you had a, a main actor, Colin Baker, who wanted to stay and was forced to leave and move on. So, there, the, yes, there were politics going on at the time, but they directly influenced the creativity of the show and damaged it, and they had to make it lighter and more. Um, they had to change the tone to a more lighter comedy tone or comedic tone is rather what I was getting at. And, um, and the show did suffer because it was getting tired and worn out. And, you know, and, and I think as much as, um, I think Russell T Davies did a great job in bringing the show back and we're ever so grateful for that. It's great that now the show is getting another injection of, of, um, renewal with a new doctor and a um, new producer. Yes. The other thing, um, the other thing about Doctor Who is that it survived this huge gap of time. It, it survived from survival to the Paul McGann movie. Then it survived from the Paul McGann movie to Rose. We've been through this before. We've been through gaps and, and periods, and the fans waited it out. So everybody thought the show was dead, and it came back. So it, it will always have an, an, uh, a life. It will always exist. But I understand what he's saying. He wants to he wants to see the the show continue and continue Quality with a great wise. deal of strength, and I think it will. Mm-hmm. There really isn't. There's no indication. I, I know every, we we all get we all get concerned with. Oh, I heard that they're remounting some scenes. I heard that they are um, that Russell's going to go do a movie. I heard they're going to do this. I heard they're going to do that. The show survived all kinds of things in the past. It's it survived the change of lead actor. It survived writers and this and that. And the other thing we just, we really need to just need to be patient and trust them. They brought the show back. Russell's brought the show back. Stephen Moffat's on board. Now he's bringing his doctor, his era, uh, the breathing of, of life into the show. I'm confident in it. I really, I don't understand some people, and I'm not saying this was particularly the case. I just don't understand why people would panic about it. We, we've, if you're a longtime fan of the show, you've seen all kinds of ups and downs. So, mm-hmm. but I do appreciate. Uh, I, I think we all need to be concerned with, like, like he said, he, you know, this canine series has nothing to do with Russell or the BBC. But in the public's mind, it's just another piece of Doctor Who, and you don't want them to get burned out. As a, a longtime Star Trek fan, I can tell you by the time they got to Enterprise, I was burnt out. I didn't watch Enterprise because I just had enough Star Trek. And 
I don't want that to happen to Doctor Who. Oh, yeah, I got to watch K-9 tonight. You know, like, no, it'll exhaust the audience. But it's hot right now, and everybody, oh, let's let's get a bunch of things done. So, hmm. I think what they're doing, backing off a little bit on Torchwood, backing off a bit this past year on Doctor Who, is a good thing. But it's back. Matt Spencer yeah. is thirteen episodes plus the Christmas special, so it'll be back. Yeah, and we're all excited for it. I have to say. I know, okay. I went off on that, and and now I've eaten up more feedback time. So move move on to some feedback before I jump into another tangent. <laughs> <laughs> Okie dokie. Right then, here's uh, a nice little email from Saint James. Ah, how appropriate. Indeed, he says greetings, Podshot crew. And uh, he he goes on to review the War Games. He says the War Games episode with the second Doctor, Patrick Troughton, brilliantly grabs the audience's attention with the grandeur of the war scenarios being played out as well as the introduction of the Time Lords at their worst and at their very best. The War Games played out by off-Earth humans was a highly sophisticated operation. Unbeknownst to the humans involved, they were not on Earth fighting for whatever cause, in their minds, prompted them to war. They were instead guinea pigs, used for the benefit of the race to which the warlord belonged. A technological sophistication provided by the war chief, a renegade time lord, who sequestered humans from different wars throughout Earth history, made the whole operation possible. The death zone is located on Gallifrey where the war games were conducted during the dark times and for the amusement of the Time Lords who had corrupted the use of their great powers. As the, if the purposes of the Death Souls were being repeated, the War Chief represented the worst of the Time Lords. The motives for this renegade Time Lord in aiding the warlike race was not clear, but it was obvious that the technology and energy expenditure to fund an operation of this mass uh, of this magnitude was astronomical the continuous transport uh, transport via tardises of hundreds of soldiers to and from war zones on and off the earth was all consuming to the time machines involved the doctor has often alluded to the matter that the tardis is a sentient being alive and taking this as true then we can conclude that the war chief was not only responsible for the deaths of countless of humans in preconditioned wars, but also guilty of curtailing the lifespan of many TARDISes. Fortunately, the Doctor calls on the Time Lords to remedy the whole dire business. Our first glimpse of the Time Lords in their pomp, I believe, was here in the war games. Although little of them was shown, it was enough to understand their great power and authority. These three Time Lord judges that showed up to pass sentence on all lawbreakers represented justice and the Time Lords at their best. As for the Doctor, he occupies the middle ground between compassion and lawlessness. If any being could pull off such a contradiction, it is the Doctor. I should mention that one of the three Time Lords passing judgment on the Doctor in War Games was, I presume, the same that had tried to have the Doctor executed in the deadly assassin, Chancellor Goth. Even though the names of the Tribunal Time Lords were never given, it still foreshadows the challenges that would await the Doctor by the time his second regeneration had been completed. The War Chief was presumed dead, the Doctor exiled to Earth, the Warlord dematerialized with all his associates and his homeworld imprisoned. 
by an imprisoned homeworld, they understand that it was placed in a time loop for all time, just like they did with the Vardan homeworld in the Invasion of Time episode with Tom Baker. I give War Games four and a half out of five TARDIS crones, simply because this is the first of two stories that I know which places a planet in a time loop. We Who fans don't get time loop planet stories often enough. Keep up the good show, gentlemen, Jim. So thanks for that, St. James. That's really, really cool. Nice, nice little review of uh, the War Games to complement uh, the one that we did last week or the week before, I should say. No, it was last week, yeah. Oh, it, just, it just went out right now as, as we're recording. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Oh, very good. Let's um, continue with the feedback marathon, and we'll continue with an, another piece of um, audio feedback that we received on the public call box, the Pachak public call box. Hey, guys, this is Richard in Wichita. I've been uh, I've left a couple of voicemails to you in the past, and I uh, just wanted to leave another one with you to kind of share some thoughts. I've been having a uh, Podshock Marathon today. I've been listening to episodes 153, 54, and 55. Uh, 56 will come tomorrow, and then uh, I'll officially be caught up. Nothing better than listening to a podcast to help you get through a work day as I'm sitting here in front of a computer. So in listening to these last three episodes today, I, I, you had mentioned in one of the episodes in relation to kind of wanting to get people's thoughts about maybe their experiences with Doctor Who or earliest experiences. And uh, it really kind of got me thinking about my longtime, you know, fandom, if you will, of Doctor Who and how it's been kind of a roller coaster uh, over the years, uh, you know, depending on what's going on in my life and what my interest level was. I discovered Doctor Who in 1983. I was in high school and uh, I became a huge fan. I was hungry for something new. I had watched the original 79 episodes of Star Trek for you know many many years and I was I was really looking for something new discovered it and became a huge fan for a solid three years went off to college had a few other interests obviously at that point but I never strayed too far from Doctor Who just my interest level wasn't as high as it had been in the previous three years but no matter where I was at I still tried to, to catch Doctor Who I'd still watch it on television and um in 1989, I, you know, had one of those moments where I got just really into it again. I, uh, living in Texas, I wasn't able to to get the magazine. There was there was no comic shop near me. I was close enough to Dallas, though I would, you know, be able to get the videotapes. And I started collecting those as those were coming out, and became, you know, once again a huge fan after kind of laying dormant for a few years. Uh, and I experience, I've experienced moments like that quite a few times over the years. In, in the early 1990s, when my local PBS station started airing Doctor Who again, I, I began taping all the episodes. Uh, when the movie was on television in 1996, I got excited about it again. And when the uh, Doctor Who started coming out on DVD, I remember making a huge purchase from Amazon. They were discontinuing the videotapes. And uh, I bought, you know, just a huge stack of them uh, as they were being discontinued and, uh, you know, was a big fan again for several years and then, you know, kind of waned a little bit. But then uh, with the arrival of Christopher Eccleston in the new series uh, in 2005, I think it was probably maybe early 2006 before I watched those episodes, I've been a solid fan since then in the last, you know, three and a half years, four years now. Um just, 
you know, through watching it on television, I've been reading the books, getting the magazines, getting the comics, listening to, you know, the Podshock and the WhoCast and Tendog on podcast. I'm probably a bigger fan of the show now than I was when I was at my peak back in high school. And a lot of it is just because of great shows like yours. I've been loving the episodes, uh, the reviews of The Tenth Planet, Power of the Daleks, the regeneration stories that you guys are doing. I think that's a great idea, uh, carrying us through the rest of this year as we're you know, leading up to the departure of uh, David Tennant and the arrival of Matt Smith. And it really kind of parallels what I've been saying is that, you know, I've had peaks and valleys in my fandom over the years, moments where I've been super into it, and then, it can, you know, other things kind of come along, but then something comes along that gets me renewed and renewal in my interest of, of Doctor Who, very much like Regenerations will do. Uh, I think that any time a, a regeneration happens and one doctor leaves and another doctor comes, there's a lot of interest in the show potential for new fans who maybe didn't like the, you know, the other doctor, but now they like the new one. Uh, you know, I, there's always a, an opportunity, I think, to, to get the addition of new fans. And I think, you know, there's certainly a lot of us who are looking at Matt Smith saying he's too young, he's too this, he's too that. I look at it and, you know, we've had 10 different actors and they've all had different aspects and I've enjoyed some more than others. But in the bottom line is I've enjoyed, you know, all the actors who have come before uh, and I'm sure that, you know, Matt Smith will be no different. I, I'll enjoy him uh, in this show as well. You know, maybe he'll become my favorite doctor. Maybe he won't, but I'll enjoy the show all the same. So just wanted to share my thoughts on that. I think that, that you guys are doing a fantastic job of keeping the interest level on the show and, and feeding us fans, you know, information to keep us excited about it. And I think that's, that's contributed to where I, here I am. You know, I'm I'm 41, and I'm a bigger fan of the show now, I think, than I've ever been. And a lot of it's because of shows like yours. So, guys, keep up the good work. You're doing a fantastic job, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Great. Thank you so much. That's, uh, wow, thank you. Great to hear. And, and we've been talking about renewal of the show itself and how that constantly regenerates. But, you know, fandom ha happens in fandom as well, where people are diehard fans, and then maybe they'll get other interests and, you know, and, and not be as interested. But then they come back to the show over and over again and just our last episode tara was uh on the show and she spoke about how she went many years she went from a very diehard doctor who fan and uh she went to um um it wasn't chicago tardis at the time but it was um a the big um uh, spirit of light conventions tardis 21 in chicago and she attended that and then she went years without being a doctor who fan and then she came back into fandom again and so um, it's one of those series that's been going on for so long and the format is in such a way that uh, it can thrive and continue even when it goes away it comes back as ken said earlier with um it survived those periods of of no new episodes coming out yet it comes back and and fans come back you get new fans and returning old fans as well yep very very true as far as i'm aware we have one further email which is from a chap called Craig, but I believe that he uh, sent in some audio feedback. So we should probably play that first before I read the email. Um, All right, so let me uh, continue on with some of the call box, the public call box feedback then and see uh, when we get to his. Indeed. Okay, so next up. Hey guys, this is Richard in Wichita again. Just wanted to leave another quick voicemail for you. 
I've just got done listening, or I'm almost done listening, to Death Comes to Time, the uh, Sylvester McCoy audio. Downloaded it um, off of iTunes and listening to it on my iPod. And uh, the last 20 minutes, they've got it broken up into two parts. And in part two, they wrap up the story. And then there's 20 minutes of additional um, audio interviews and such related to Death Comes to Time. The first interview that they have uh, is, is classic. If you have an opportunity to listen to it, you should. Apparently, it comes from BBC Radio um, and uh, two entertaining hosts uh, interviewing. First, they interview a Dalek, which is done for pure comedy, but it was, it was quite funny. But uh, the gist of the interview is actually with Sylvester McCoy and then a uh, corporate exec with the last name of Hanlon. I think it was Michael Hanlon, but Hanlon was the last name. Uh, and they were asking, you know, about, you know, the, the Doctor Who audios in the future. And Hanlon was the quintessential corporate executive, narrow-minded, you know, twit that uh, these, you know, have been responsible for some, some of the dumb decisions over the years. I, I wouldn't be surprised if this guy was, was related to the person who decided to erase the, the classic uh, tapes back in the 60s and 70s and somehow related maybe to, to uh, what was that, Leighton Whitehead, Mary Whitehead. I mean, th- this guy, all the questions he was asked, he was 100% wrong on. They asked him, you know, about bringing Doctor Who back. He said to bring Doctor Who back on TV today would be an abomination, uh, that it, it was a show for the 60s and 70s and should be left back there. Uh, they asked him about the future of Doctor Who audio, and he was down on that, said there was no future. Even asked him about the future of, of watching and downloading things off the Internet, and he was like saying how it was a clumsy tool and it was never going to make it and it would never happen and no one would ever do that. And Sylvester McCoy was just you know correcting him at every opportunity, being polite, but getting his point across that, yeah, you know, without coming out and saying it, that this guy was narrow-minded and was wrong. And it's interesting I, how, I'm not sure how old this interview is, but probably, you know, maybe 10 years at now, I, I think that was about when Death Comes to Time come, came out. But in any case, the, um, it was interesting to listen to. If you guys get a chance to listen to it, it's, it's worth a few chuckles to, to know that Sylvester McCoy was actually right on the money with everything he said. And uh, this other corporate exec, you know, who probably you know, makes, you know, 10 times the, the amount of the average person uh, with about, you know, one hundredth of the creativity and uh, how he was 100% wrong on everything. Made me laugh. Just wanted to share that with you guys. Take care. <laughs> Which is often the case. Non-creative people making creative decisions. Yes. Always fun. All right, well, we're getting short on time, so let's see if we can get more feedback in. As, uh, but Hey there, guys. This is Anthony Burge from Staten Island, New York. Uh, you know me as Mythic Doc Who on the new 3.0 Gallifrey Embassy website or Time Rift on Staten Island on the DWN Watch forums. Um, I just left a message prior to this, and I think I screwed up a little bit, so please ignore I'm calling in relation to some things that over the last few weeks that I just wanted to sort of leave a comment about. Um, as Ken may know, I don't know about Lewis, but Ken and definitely Barnaby from DWNY, I suffered a concussion uh, uh, around June 24th, uh, was hospitalized, and 
subsequently had some brain issues, which, you know, loss of memory, all those things, lovely things that go around the concussion. What I wanted to say is, since that occurred, I've been doing a lot of things to help my cognitive activities along because my brain was in such a mushy state, so to speak. One of them was getting down and hunkering down, working on the book that my wife Jessica and I and our friend Christine Larson and Barnaby from DWNY called The Mythological Dimensions of Doctor Who. A lot of that work has helped me get the processes going, the thought processes going for, you know, after this injury because I was in such a sort of vegetative fog-like state. In doing that, alongside doing that, I have uh, been working on my own contribution to the book, also doing some research and what I have utilized to help me think uh, a bit and uh, to laugh a bit and to give me some insight and some various Doctor Who things is Doctor Who Podstock. And since I've been home, I, I've gone out to do some things and when I've had some good clarity of the day, you know, my wife and I have gone to a DWI pub meet just recently where we saw Ken and I uh, had a laugh or two. Uh, I do have a limit to each day. Sometimes I push it, but in order to get me back to where I was before the accident and, and getting the thought going, Dr. Who Podshock has given me some good laughs, some good insight, and has helped with the cognitive skills. And it, it, I really appreciate that because since I'm in the throes of writing my contribution and trying to get things going, PWNY and Dr. Who Podshock has really given me a great spirits while I recover. And for that, I am very appreciative for you, everything you guys have uh, provided. In stating that, perhaps I can make a suggestion for future pod shocks. Uh, That's where it cuts off. So we'll never know what the suggestion was. Well, we will <laughs> when we see him at DWNY. Well, in, unless um, let's um, well, it's a cliffhanger. It's a cliff unless he uh, he's sent in another. Uh, I'm just looking to see if I can if he sent in another audio feedback, but I don't see another one here. We'll have to tighten this up in post. And it's, it's already tight now. So, um, but that's uh, great that we're able to, uh, to help him in any way whatsoever. I mean, it's uh, brain injuries are no joking matter. So anything that we can do to help out, uh, you know, I'm He's glad we're doing good. it. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. just strange to hear someone mention brains and pod shock in the same sentence it's not normally well unless done. he's speaking of brains the brain of morbulus morbius but <laughs> it's otherwise yes <laughs> but but when it comes to comedy though we we do we sometimes unintentionally make ourselves laugh all right let's um, sometimes i think lewis there's one great piece of feedback that's on a similar sort of lines from lee shackleford that i'd i'd really like us to play if we can all right, uh, so let's jump sure. ahead to that, and then um, then I think we're going to need to wrap things up. We may need to. Um, it's um, the show's running long, so. Hi guys, this is Lee Shackleford. I turn up in the forums every now and then as Professor Cronotis. This may be one of the more sentimental feedback calls you've gotten, but I really wanted to let you know that uh, I, I had some major surgery recently and uh, as as people quite rightly say the surgery is the easy part because you're asleep it's the the week of recovery in the hospital that's that's really hard it's so some of the the nights when the recovery was going particularly badly uh 
it was it was very difficult. Uh, the the loneliness and uh, the pain uh, made things uh, made the night very difficult to get through. But my wife had brought me my MP3 player, and before I was rushed to the hospital, I had downloaded Podshock 156. So there in the darkest hour uh, was my friends talking about Doctor Who, and nobody was talking about my insides or uh, what was going to happen next to me, or we were just talking about the TV show that I love. Uh, James, of course, was missed, but the... uh, uh, but Tara was absolutely delightful, and I was—I uh, just felt like I had made a new friend in the process as well. Uh, anyway, long story short, it was only an hour, but uh, uh, guys, you—you uh, you got me through a difficult time, and it would have been very uh, remiss of me not to say thank you. Thank you to Podshock. Wow, wow that's. That's um, pretty amazing. I, we we received that right before we recorded the last Podshock, and, and we weren't doing feedback, but I, I mentioned it, and it's really, we you know, we it's funny that we're playing that on our anniversary or roughly around the anniversary of Podshock, because when you hear something like that, you realize that that doing what we do, and we're three Doctor Who fans who get together because we're friends and we like a TV show. And we spend our time just chatting about Doctor Who, and sometimes it can seem extremely frivolous. You know, sometimes you're like, "What? Wow, we just well, we are a bunch of geeks." But when you get uh, a message like that, when you get messages like that from people, you realize that doing a podcast is actually, you know, kind of cool, and and uh, that's amazing. I, I, we're glad that we could be there and and help out. We love talking about Doctor Who and when you're feeling better and if you're out at one of the cons make sure to say hello and and um and I've got the the first round if if you're allowed to have that yeah absolutely it's um it's always incredible I mean hearing these two uh feedback messages back to back I mean it's really humbling and um kind of leaves me kind of speechless and it's um you know as Ken just said we, we do this you know we we have fun doing this and it's um you know, sometimes we, we don't think of the situations that other listeners may be in while they're listening. And, um, you know, if, if you know, we do some good in that process other than just being light, fair entertainment, all the better. But it's um, like I said, it's very humbling hearing that type of feedback. Very true. Very true. And a nice, nice way to end Podshock this week, I think. Yeah, how would how would you top that? <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> you know, I mean, really, it's it's just I, I'm I'm hoping you're feeling better, and so uh, hopefully that that gets you through, and the hopefully everything's going to turn out well. Absolutely, yes. Uh, we send all our positive energy in your direction. If that um, we um, and that goes to all our listeners. Indeed. So. Um, we do have other feedback. We'll we'll promise we'll get to some of that in our next episode. And um, continue to send us feedback at feedback at podshock dot net, or uh, you can call our public call box, and uh, that number is once again two zero six six zero zero six five one seven. And uh, you can leave feedback that way. If you have an iPhone, you can uh, send us a voice memo via the that's built into the new iPhone operating system. Also Skype and um, Gizmo Project, you can send audio feedback that way whatever works best for you you don't need to have a microphone you don't need to have an elaborate setup to send in audio feedback like i said just a phone number will do the trick Mm. 
Before we do go, just as one last thing, as a, a reminder, I'm going to a uh, con in September. Con! On, indeed, <laughs> called Hooverville, organised by the fantastic Hoover's group down in Derby. It's on Sunday the 6th of September from 10 o'clock in the morning till 5 o'clock in the evening. Uh, it's £30. It's uh, organised, um, as I said, by the Hoover's group. And it's it's at the Midland Railway Centre in uh, in Ripley in Derbyshire. The Sixth Doctor, Colin Baker, is going to be there. Nick Briggs, who's the voice of the Daleks among many other monsters. Annika Wills, who is who's Polly, of course, Hartnell and Troughton's companion. Uh, to- a good friend of Podshock, Toby Haydock, is going to be there. The comedian who's done Moth State, My Doctor Who scarf. Cheryl Hall, Ian Fairburn to name a few but a few guests and there's going to be some nice podcasting panels there as well which i will be a part of it'll be great to uh, meet anybody who's going along there so as i say sunday the 6th of september you can buy tickets by going to hoovers spelt w-h-o-o-v-e-r-s dot org dot uk and you'll see uh, when you get into the main site there there's a nice little link for hooverville just click on that and then it's pretty straightforward how to get tickets. Very, very cool. Well, we're looking forward to a full report. Yep, you can you can trust me, you can guarantee it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that uh ends a, a super swinging sexy edition of Podcast. <laughs> I guess. Yes, and next Podshock will be talking about, will be reviewing the spearhead from space. Yeah, so on the back <laughs> of the war games. Uh, the we first color Doctor Who episode. Ever, yeah. First Pertwee. It's out on DVD if you want to catch up on it. If it's your homework assignment for the next Podshock, Netflix it or however it is you obtain your DVDs if you don't already own it. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, until then, I'll be looking for my shoes and shoes. <laughs> yes, the keys in the shoe. Indeed. <laughs> it's uh actually this is a well we'll get into it when we review it, but it just uh, as a closing note, this is um one of the particular stories that was shot all on film, so it's a likely candidate that one day we can get it. We could see this on Blu-ray in HD. That would be fantastic, and I think um, the Damons as well, right? Where. Uh, was all on film, if I'm, I remember. So they may have some video. I don't know. Oh, they may have studio footage. Yeah, I, I remember that was a multi-camera shoot, but I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't think maybe it wasn't all on film. But okay, fair enough. All right. Fair well, enough. until then, cheers, everyone. Cheers, everybody. cheers. You've been listening to Doctor Who Podshock by the fan run org. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Come back next time for another exciting and informative episode of Doctor Who Podshock. You can email us at feedback at podshock.net. Doctor Who Podshock theme music by Jeff Smith at thejeffsmith.com. This is Louis Trapani. You can follow me and everyone else here on Twitter. Here's the Twitter roll call for all of us. I'm at twitter.com slash Louis Trapani. James is at twitter.com slash James Norton. Ken is at twitter.com slash Ken Deep. And of course, Dr. Who Podshock is at twitter.com slash Podshock. 
This Art Trap production is brought to you by the Gallifreyan Embassy and has been made possible in part by donations from listeners like you. Have you donated today? No, 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 you're not coming. You stay here. Entreat, Master. No. Are they good? No.